Well, turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would please, to the book of Revelation chapter number 3. Revelation chapter number 3, a very familiar portion of Scripture that I'm sure your pastor has preached from, that you've heard preached many, many times, but nevertheless a portion of the Word of God that I simply could not get away from while seeking the Lord's will for the service this morning. Wow, what a great Sunday school. Man, I appreciate the Sunday school. It was awesome. And then the choir singing, this uh, young men's quartet singing, and then this young lady singing this morning has stirred my heart. And then I appreciate all the testimonies. What a great blessing. There's enough preaching in the testimonies to save the world. If you'll just listen, I'm glad to be able to tell you what the Lord did for those men testifying. He's able to do for each and every one of you that may not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so glad to have heard the testimonies this morning. I appreciate and love your pastor. I love him in the pulpit. I love him out of the pulpit. And I appreciate the consistency of Dr. Ricky Gravely. And Cassie and Danielle and I are absolutely thrilled to be here today. We miss Miss Nolita. And so we've been praying for her. It's just not the same without her. So uh, please, please join us in prayer that God would touch her and bring about healing to her body. Have you found your place in Revelation chapter 3? If you're able, would you please stand as we read the Word of God together? Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 14. The Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou art cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold... I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. With the help of the Lord this morning, I want to preach on this thought, the tragedy of leaving Jesus at the door. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 again, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now we're going to be using our Bibles throughout the course of the message this morning and therefore I trust you'll leave them handy. Let's bow our heads, shall we? For a moment of prayer. Father, what a great blessing it has already have been to have been here 
at the Great Bible Baptist Church of Rossville, Georgia this morning. Thank you for every song, for the great Sunday school hour, the great testimonies this morning. You've already met with us in such a special, special way. But Father, as I deliver the message that you've laid on my heart, I pray that you would enable me to do so in a way that would bring blessing and honor and glory to thy precious and thy holy name. Father, I do not take for granted the opportunity that I've been given by this dear pastor to stand in his pulpit this morning. And I want to be a blessing to him and his family. But Lord, most importantly, I want to be a blessing and a help to these people that you died for on the cross. So help me, Lord, this morning. I pray you would, and I'll give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Of course, this final book of the Bible is called The Revelation, which stems from the Greek word apocalypse and simply means an unveiling. The word literally means to show or to expose to view as the unveiling of a painting or a work of art is a revelation. This, according to Revelation chapter number 1 and verse number 1 then, is the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now, of course, when you and I study this great book of the Bible, we'll discover the key that in turn unlocks our understanding to the text is located in verse number 19 of the very first chapter where the Lord speaks to John the Beloved and says, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Here, ladies and gentlemen, in this single verse of Scripture, we are given the structure to the entire book of the Revelation. In chapter number one, John wrote about the things which he had seen. In Revelation chapters two and three, while writing to the seven churches of Asia Minor, John wrote about the things which were at that present moment. Then in the final chapters of the book, namely chapter 4 through chapter 22, John was used of the Lord to write about the things which shall be hereafter. And that is to say, the events that are recorded in Revelation chapters 4 through 22 are the events that will take place after the church has been raptured from the earth and the church age has drawn to an ultimate close. And therefore, it goes without saying this morning, there are more chapters devoted to the things which shall be hereafter, the rapture, the tribulation period, the millennial reign, the millennial kingdom than any other subject in the book that the Lord has led us to this morning. However, I can assure you, ladies and gentlemen, that enough has been said concerning the things which are at this present moment in order for you and I both to gain great understanding pertaining to where we stand with the Lord Jesus Christ right now at this present moment as a part of the Lord's church. I believe it is because of that the Lord has directed our hearts once again to this, the latter portion of Revelation chapter 3, where John the Beloved can be seen addressing God's letter to the church of the Laodiceans. 
This, of course, is the last of the seven churches that God addresses through the pen of John the Beloved in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 and prophetically speaking. Now, I realize there is a practical, there is a personal application, but prophetically speaking, I believe the church of the Laodiceans is symbolic of the church age in which you and I are living at this present moment. I say that because this is a church that according to verse 17 declared, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Complacency had become the order of the day for the church of the Laodiceans. They were casual, to say the least, towards God and the things of God. They were simply content with the way things were. And brother, if those three words, complacency, casual, and content, doesn't describe the church in which we're living today, quite frankly, I don't know what does. However, the Lord went as far as to say, according to verses 15 and 16 of our text, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And therefore, having considered the truth of the word of God, we can certainly draw this sobering conclusion. The church of the Laodiceans was quite frankly the church that made God Almighty sick. To the world, Laodicea was a city of progress. It was a city of vision. But God said in verse 17, you're blind. To the world, the Laodicea was a city of high fashion. Yet God said in verse 17, they were naked. They were much more interested in clothing themselves with the fashionable clothing their city had become known for other than clothing themselves in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, when we see the Lord Jesus in this letter, we see him in verse 20 standing outside the door of the church of the Laodiceans. And as the Lord stands outside the door, the Bible goes to great lengths to teach us that he is knocking and that he is speaking and that he is seeking admittance. Jesus said again, according to our key text this morning, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I'm preaching this morning of the thought, the tragedy of leaving Jesus at the door. You know, I've always found it interesting while digging into the truths of Revelation chapter three and verse number 20, when you study this particular verse of scripture, you'll discover that this is one of three different doors the Lord is careful to mention in the book of the Revelation. First of all, in Revelation chapter three and verse number eight, there is a door of service. God told the church of Philadelphia, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it for thou hast a little strength and has kept my word and has not denied my name. Now this, ladies and gentlemen, is a door of service. I see another door. In Revelation chapter four and verse number one, 
I like to call this door the, the door of the Savior's soon return for the bride of Christ. John writes in Revelation 4 and 1, after this. After what, John? After the church age comes to a close. After this, I looked and behold, notice what he beheld. A door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Revelation chapter four and verse one, the door of the Savior's soon return for the bride of Christ. But here in our key text, in Revelation chapter three and verse 20, we see yet another door. I like to call this the door of supping. And I use that word supping because it is a word that the Lord Jesus himself used in our text. And when you dig into the truth of that word sup and supping, uh, you'll discover that it is actually a Middle Eastern term for fellowship. Did you hear what that word supping means? It means fellowship. Now, you got to grab a hold of that if you're going to see what the Lord would have us to see from the text this morning. Here in our key text, we witness the Lord Jesus standing outside the door. I can't even fathom it. He is standing outside the door and he's knocking and he's seeking fellowship. The Lord who in the beginning, according to the earlier verses of Revelation chapter 2, was in the midst of the church. Now he stands outside the lazy, lethargic church, the lukewarm assembly of the Laodiceans, and he knocks and he seeks admittance. So with that in mind, I want you to Consider three things directly from the text, three truths which in turn will convey to both you and I the tragedy of leaving Jesus at the door. Now let me say before I zero in on these three truths that I'll give you directly from the text this morning, when you study this text in proper context, this is not an appeal for a sinner to be saved. Now, I think there's an application can be made there. I don't think you'd be doing the scriptures any harm uh, by making that application. But as far as the interpretation of the text goes, it is not an appeal for a sinner to be saved. This is an appeal for the saints to be supping. There's a difference. The dear brother gave his testimony a while ago. I don't know if you caught it, but I caught it. He said... It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to live in Canaan. Boy, that's right. Do you know what that Canaan is a picture or a type of? It's not a picture or a type of heaven. It is a type or a picture of a spirit-filled, victorious Christian life. Let me tell you what Canaan land is a type or a picture of. It is a picture of a child of God that realizes it's one thing to be saved but it's another thing to be supping. 
You know what God wants from your life this morning, child of God? Oh, yes, he wants to save you. He sent his son to die on the cross and he shed every drop of his precious, powerful blood to deliver you from hell. But there is so much more to the Christian life than just having a fire escape from hell. And I want you to know this morning, thank God Almighty, I'm glad I'm not going to hell. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. But there is is so much more to the Christian life than just not going to hell. This very morning, the God of glory stands at the heart's door of the child of God. This very morning, the King of glory stands at the child of God that's just too busy to go back to church on Sunday night. This very morning, the child of God, God stands at the heart of the child of God who spends more time on Facebook than they do in God's book and he knocks at the door and he asks and he seeks admittance. He longs to sup with his children. Notice three things before we dismiss directly from your King James Bible. First of all, notice the position of Christ. The position of Christ. Now this is very interesting. Earlier as God began speaking to the churches of Asia Minor, we witness him walking within the midst of the churches. Let me prove it to you. Turn back a few pages in your Bible, if you would please, to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12. John writes, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, what do these seven golden candlesticks represent? Well, let's allow the Bible to answer that question. Somebody said on one occasion, and I most definitely agree, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. God tells John, according to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. And therefore we can most definitely know the seven candlesticks represent the seven churches that John is writing to in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Now listen to what God said in his letter to the church of Ephesus according to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1. Unto the angel or the pastor of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh where? In the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Do you see where the Lord is according to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1? I'll tell you where he is. The scripture is very clear. He's walking in the midst. Is he not? 
He's walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He's walking in the midst of the churches. Let me tell you what's going on in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 1. At this particular period in the church age, the church has said to the Lord, we sure do need you, Lord. If we're going to be what the Lord would have us to be, we can't do it without you. We've got to have your touch. The preachers were going before the Lord according to their actions, Revelation 2 and 1, and saying, I I don't want to just perform today, Lord. I want to be used of you, Lord. I need you. And they opened the door to each of their hearts and they allowed the king of all glory to sup with them. Do you know what's happening in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 1? I'll tell you what's happening. Jesus is fellowshipping with the church and the church is fellowshipping with Jesus. Jesus is supping with them and the church is supping with him. He's in the midst. But by the time you get to the end of the church age, by the time you get to our text this morning, can I call your attention to the fact that the Lord is no longer in the midst By the time God addresses the lethargic, lazy, lukewarm Laodicean assembly, he is standing outside the church. He is no longer welcomed. He is no longer wanted. He is standing at the door. And therefore, there is the potential of fellowship, but there is no fellowship. What a tragedy. There is the potential of supping, but there is no supping. Jesus is standing outside the door. Do you know what that tells us this morning, Bible Baptist Church? It assures us there is something the Laodiceans wanted on the other side of that door more than they wanted Jesus. Can I ask you this this morning and I'm moving. Is there anything you want more than Jesus? What a tragedy that the king of all glory would want to fellowship with us and we would dare say to him, if not with our lips, with our very lives, Lord, I'm just too busy today. Lord, I know I need to read my Bible today, but I've just got so much going on. And you're checking your email while you're telling the Lord you've just got so much going on. What a tragedy that the king of all glory would desire to fellowship and desire to sup with somebody like me and yet I would say if not with my lips, with my life, Lord, I just don't have the time. The position of Christ. Secondly, notice the pursuit of Christ. Can I call your attention to the fact that Jesus, according to the text, isn't running away 
from the door? Is it it amazing? Now, if I knocked on a door, and I've done this before, you go soul winning, you go on church visitation every opportunity you have, every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, weather permitting, you're knocking on doors, you're passing out gospel tracts, you're inviting your friends and your neighbors and your family members to the Bible Baptist Church, and no doubt you've done it before. If you go to a door and you knock on a door and you spend about Two minutes at the most, knocking on that door, and nobody answers the door. What are you going to do? You're going to do exactly what I have done time and time again. You're going to turn around and you're going to walk away. That is to say that you initially pursued a visit, but unless that visit is uh, uh, complied to on the other end, you're not going to just continually pursue it. You're not going to stand at the door day after day, hour after hour, and not, why, you'd be crazy to do that, at least in the eyes of the world. But yet when we open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 3 and we read about the lukewarm, uh, lethargic Laodicean assembly, we witness the king of all glory knocking on the door He is pursuing the fellowship, but we never read about him leaving. Do you know where he's at this morning? He's standing at your heart's door, child of God. Now, I'll be honest with you. If it was me knocking on your heart's door and you said with your life, I'm just too busy for you, I'd turn around and I'd walk away, but not him. Boy, talk about that love this dear brother was teaching about this morning in Sunday school. You talk about a consistent love. You talk about a long-suffering, a patient, holy God. This very moment, in spite of us turning him away time and time again, in spite of him saying, Lord, I just can't fit you in my schedule today, this very moment, he stands at our heart's door and he He desires and he seeks admittance. He is the one that is pursuing the fellowship. Now let me show you how serious he is about that. He is standing, according to the text, behold I stand at the door. He is not only standing, he is knocking And he's not only standing and he's not only knocking, but he's speaking. Because the text is careful to say, if any man, what? Hear my voice. So it goes something like this. Hey, I sure would like to spend some time with you today. Hey, hey, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great? If we could spend half the time in my book today as you do on Facebook, uh, wouldn't wouldn't it be great today? Hey, 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 how about today you just don't even turn the computer on? In fact, 
How about today you just lay it, I'm preaching myself under conviction. I know you're busy. Sometimes he says to me, I know you're busy, Brother Caudill. I know you got all those missionary families and you got this preacher over here upset at this missionary because this missionary won't do what he told that preacher he was going to do and this missionary is about to quit because that preacher said that he'd take them on for support and he's never done it yet. I know you're busy. I know you're preaching meetings. I know you got a family. I know you got car problems. You got a physical problem. I know you've got issues going on. You've got so many arms in the fire. But Brother Caudle, Brother Caudle, hey, hey, I sure would like to fellowship with you today. I sure would like to spend some time with you today. Hey, listen, do you want to know? You want to know how you get to know somebody? Spend time with them. You young men, what a great looking bunch of young men. One of these days, you're going to see the young lady that you're going to fall in love with. First time I ever laid eyes on Miss Cassie. That's my wife back there. First time I ever laid eyes on her. I fell head over heels in love with her. But here was the issue, man. I only had 90 days before the ship that I was on while serving in the United States Navy deployed for a six-month deployment. I had 90 days to win her heart. 90 days. I didn't have any time to lose. So you know what I got to thinking? The only way you can get to know somebody, you got to spend time with them. You've got to initiate the pursuit of fellowship. So I figured I didn't have a, a, a moment to lose. So the first thing I did, I messed around and got her phone number some way. She was going to college at the University of North Carolina in Greensboro, North Carolina. I was stationed aboard the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower in Norfolk, Virginia, where there's about four hours difference. I got her phone number. I called her up on the phone. I said, look, you don't know me. I met you the other day at the Elkin Public Library. I, I just want you to know I love you and I'm going to marry you. I had 90 days, man. I didn't have any time to lose. I mean, if she kicked me to the curb, what was I out? I had nothing to lose. And so you know what I started doing? On weekends, I'd come home. And I'd say, boy, I sure would like to see you this weekend. She said, good, we got church Sunday, Island Ford Baptist Church, Jonesville, North Carolina. i become the church goingest sailor you've ever seen. Now, I wish I could tell you I was so spiritual. I was going for the spiritual things of God. God eventually turned it around and did a spiritual work in my heart. But I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to see her. And the only way she'd see me, listen, young ladies, the only way she'd see me, I had to go to church with her. And if I wouldn't have went to church with her, she'd have never seen me. That's a good thing to remember. If a guy won't go to church with you, say no. And so she said, come see me at church. You know what? I, I went to see. If I had duty on the weekends, I'd pay 20 or $30 to have somebody stand my duty so I could go be with her. You want to know why? Because I wanted to get to know her. You know how you get to know somebody? You spend time with them. 
What did Paul say when he wrote to the church at Philippi? He said, oh, I want you to know, folks, I have a desire to know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. You know what Paul was saying? You, I don't care how far along you think you are with God, you'll never reach the point that you don't need to get to know him more. You've not arrived. If Paul wanted to know the Lord more, don't you tell me you don't need to get to know the Lord more. So are you listening this morning? Out of all the messages, I guess I probably, and I'm not exaggerating, I probably got 200 messages in my van out there right now. But out of the 200 messages, God said, nope, don't need to bring in another one. That's the one. So somebody's here in this building. You've been saved. You know, you know you're going to heaven if you die. You know that. But God's here to tell, it's me here to tell you, he sure would like to spend some time with you. He's pursuing the fellowship. Through the singing, through the testimony, he's the one that's pursuing the fellowship, the position of Christ, the pursuit of Christ. And finally, notice the promise. Do you see the promise of Jesus in verse 20? Jesus said through the pen of John the Beloved, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, somebody say those next two words for me. I will. Not I might. Not, I tell you one thing, you didn't treat me so good yesterday, so what have you done for me lately? That's not what he said. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me, the promise of Christ. Of course, every time I read Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, I'm reminded of the famous painting of a man by the name of Holman Hunt who I believe best captured the Lord Jesus standing outside a fast-bolted door which represented the human heart. There, as the Savior patiently and persistently knocks, He seeks admittance and acceptance on the part of those beyond the door on the other side. Now, as I stand and preach in this pulpit this morning, that famous painting hangs in St. Paul's Cathedral in London, England. But when it was first displayed, critics came to comment on Hallman Hunt's work and one of them turned to the famous painter and said, Mr. Hunt, you have no doubt painted a masterpiece. What a work of art. But Mr. Hunt, you have made a serious mistake because you've painted a door that has no handle. Mr. Hunt, quickly responded, that, sir, is no mistake. Because you see, the handle is on the inside. Now, I've heard preachers say this. In fact, I'm just going to fess up and say I've said it before too. How many of you have ever heard the statement, Jesus invaded my life. I've said that. Makes for good preaching. Just isn't true. Jesus will never go where he is not wanted. If you want to know where he's at today, he's standing at the door. He's not got his hand on the handle. He's knocking and he's seeking admittance. What a tragedy 
that the king of all glory would be left standing at the door as we hurriedly go on with our lives. Thanking God we're going to heaven when we're dying, but never knowing the joy of the fruit of Canaan land. I'll say this, I'm through. I preached a meeting last week. Started on Sunday, ended up on Wednesday. Was driving back on Thursday. Cassie and Danielle were not able to go with me. I was by myself and such a busy time. and Had so much to do Thursday. When I got home, I wanted to get up very, very early. So I got up very early. I love the mornings anyway. Very early. And, and I was just so busy. I, I, I really didn't. I, I might have whispered a prayer, Lord, help me this day. I've got a lot to do. Please help me. And I just went on my way. Grabbed a quick bite to eat there at the motel where I was staying. Got on the road. I guess it was, I was on the road by six. And about 30 minutes in the trip back home, I was listening to the news. I'm a newsaholic. I was listening to the news going down the road. And I opened my ears of faith. And, and Jesus said, I sure would like to spend some time with you. So you know what I did? I don't always do this. Sometimes I mess up. But I got it right Thursday morning. I cut the radio off. And you know what I did? I opened the door. Amen. And I said, Lord, come on in. I've got about a four-hour drive. I sure would like to spend some time with you. And when I opened that door, do you want to know what he did? That's right. And he put his arms around me. He said, I just I want you to know I appreciate you preaching and spending this time on the road. I just want you to know I love you. And before I even realized it, Pastor Gravely, I was saying, Lord, I love you too. And we just loved on each other for an hour or two going down the road. I can attest what he said is true. What he said is true. If you'll open the door, he wants to come in. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to take you to that next level. He wants you to be a better child of God than you've ever been before. Would you open the door? What a tragedy it would be to leave him standing outside. You've listened so well. Would you bow your head? Our pianist is playing and we're getting ready to sing as we stand to our feet all over the building. You've listened so well. Do you hear him? Through the preaching, through the singing this morning, you know what he's saying? I sure would like to spend some time with you. My mom and daddy used to sing a song when I was a little boy growing up. It rings in my heart and in my ears often. How long has it been since you've talked with the Lord and told him your heart's hidden secret? How long since you prayed? How long since you spent any quality time with Him? Christian friend, how long has it been since you've just cut the cell phone off and put it aside and opened your Bible and considered what thus saith the Lord? 
Jesus sent me here to tell you this morning, if you'd open the door, he sure would like to come in. He sure would like to fellowship with you. Only one thing better than being saved, and that's being saved and knowing it and living a life of fellowship with Jesus.